Mark Sacchino is here. Marco, how are you? I'm good, James. Just uh, closing up a long week at the Northern Trust, but a good week. And uh, it was weird because, you know, I love being on the ground for PGA Tour Radio and being inside the ropes. And I got to follow Tiger and it was like a lot of great. But at the same time, I was watching my phone all week trying to figure out if Brooke was going to win and, yeah. and get this done. So I was torn because, uh, you know, what a what a great moment for Canadian golf. and. She deserves it and, you know, able to get something done that, you know, the men have not been able to do uh, in, uh, you know, since the 50s and, and this time since the early 70s on the ladies' side. So it was a great week for golf, really, overall. Yeah, I, I just love the Brooke Henderson story just because, you know, it's been developing over a couple of years, I guess three years now, three seasons. And you're, I mean, she's 20, and you look at this and you go, as great as the moment was, and I take nothing away from the moment because it was a fantastic national moment, but you couldn't help watch it and, and come up with the thought of, wow, where does this go? Because this is, I mean, literally, this is just the start. Yeah, and, and you know, and I think the great thing about it from my perspective too, Jim, is that, you know, quite often in the game of golf, uh, north of the border, you know, we kind of point to, oh, this is coming. Like on the men's game, oh, we got seven, eight guys on the PGA Tour. We got a bunch of wins coming, but then it doesn't happen. Well, we got a great young talent, you know, who's you know win, wins a bunch of amateur titles and whatnot. Oh, we've got, oh, this guy's coming. This is this is the next Mike Weir. You know, we have it, and it just hasn't come to fruition. And with Brooke, she's been carrying that mantle now for you know four years or so, and you know, the, you know, we've been pointing to all these great things that are coming. And then they do come, and she has fulfilled, uh, you know, expectations, and now has added something else. And I think you're right. This is just going to continue to grow. She's going to continue to uh, be one of the best players in the world and win major championships. And um, it's nice to see uh, a, a Canadian hopeful in the game of golf actually fulfill. Um, uh, the expectations, and, and you know, she's got a lot on her shoulders for a, a young kid, but you know, she seems to handle it great. And uh, you know, last week you know, I was talking a lot, and I was, you know, on Saturday morning with uh, Golf Talk Canada. I said, you know, I, I I don't think about her the same way. I don't think uh, you know the men seem to carry it as, as a big weight, and they seem to carry it as this huge anchor every year at the Canadian Open, and it's almost too much for them. Whereas with Brooke, it, it almost seems like uh, she looks at it different. She looks at it as, as an opportunity, uh, not, not an anchor. She's like, yeah, like she almost wants the ball. Like, you know, like, like to use that Michael, Jack, uh, Michael Jordan or LeBron yeah. James, they, they want the ball with, the, with zero seconds left on the clock. And that's what I get from this. Well, yeah, and again, not to be negative, but maybe it's the ghost of Mike Weir that that uh, because because he did succeed, he won the Masters, he won repeatedly on the PGA Tour. That that they're trying to live up to to Mike's past as opposed to you know sort of coloring a new canvas. You know, I actually never thought of it that way. Brooke has a clear path that uh, you know now. Un, you know, obviously, Sandra Post had a brilliant career. Right. Lori Kane had a great career, but that is generations before Brooke. Whereas the men, you're right, they're pointing to to Mike, which is recent times, modern history, and, and maybe that's the difference. Well, and, and he would have inspired them to play. I mean, I, I think if you went through those, all those Canadian golfers, they would say watching Mike Weir win the Masters was motivation to start this. For sure. For sure. He, he's the one that kind of put a club in their hand and, and, and got them all out there. And it's going to be interesting to see 10 years from now. 
10 years from now, we're going to get the Brooke effect, the way we got the Mike Weir effect. And we're going to see a bunch of great Canadian ladies players that are all of a sudden showing up on the LPGA Tour. And it's going to be interesting to see how they react to the Brooke Henderson legacy that they'll have to chase, similar to how Adam Hadwin, David Hearn, Graham Dillette, uh, Mackenzie Hughes, etc., are chasing uh, the Mike Weir hangover, so to speak. So we're about 10 years away from that. And, you know, that's going to be, you know, everybody's going to talk to, to uh, now saying, you know, oh, is this going to spike the game of golf in Canada in terms of participation in the female game? Are a bunch of young girls going to pick up the club now because Brooke is doing what she's doing? And, you know, my gut reaction is, sure, there's going to be a lot of kids that are interested now in playing golf that might wouldn't have been before. But we won't truly know the Brooke effect until 10 years down the line, just like we did with Mike Weary. Wins a green jacket in 03, and it wasn't until around 2012, 2013, 2014 when we saw the actual Mike Weir effect take place on the PGA Tour. And I think you know, the same is going to be set for the LPGA. I'm just wondering, I want to use the right words, but I'm just wondering if, if what Brooke Henderson is about to do will influence everybody. In other words, not just uh, women's golf, girls' golf, ladies' golf, uh, but everybody. I mean, even, even a, a, like a, a 15-year-old guy's watching this and go, I would love to do that. I mean, why, why couldn't it inspire everybody? Yeah, maybe. You know, I don't know, Jim. Uh, you know, it's a funny thing. Um, obviously, Brooke has more traction in this country than anything we've ever seen from the female game. But at the end of the day, I don't know if a young like I, I would be very interested. I'll put it this way. I'd be shocked, and this is no disrespect to Brooke, and maybe this is completely wrong, but I bet you there were still more young teenage boys and 20-something men in this country watching Tiger and more concerned with what Tiger was doing this week at the Northern Trust than they were with Brooke Henderson. And maybe on a Sunday when, they had a, when she actually had a chance to win, they got engaged and went, oh, this is history. I better watch this. But overall, uh, I bet you... That, uh, that that the Tiger and what was happening in New York was still moving the needle a lot more for males under 30 than Brooke was. It would be interesting to track that. And I, and I would just suggest to you that because of because of who Brooke is, that, that maybe there's a, a really young guy out there watching. I'm going to say t- somewhere in the 10 to 13-year age group that would look at that and go, wow, this is inspirational to me, it's, it's just so that it's, it comes out of the category it's in. Because I think we're a little tired of the categories. It, it, it can only influence certain people. I, I, don't, I don't buy that. I, I think literally when you're talking Tiger Woods or any of the great athletes, I think that was inspirational to everybody who watched it. Well, I hope you're right. You know, I, I do. Uh, I, I hope you're right, and I agree with you. Um, it's just been it's been a hard it's been a hard go. Yeah. Uh, you know, the LPGA is going to be the first people to tell you this. I'll tell you who's happier, uh, who would be more happier than anybody to have Brooke Henderson be the influencer that you're suggesting that she is and should be. Uh, is the LPGA Tour. They would like nothing more than Brooke Henderson to be the number one player in the world because from an LPGA Tour standpoint, could you find somebody more marketable than Brooke Henderson to to slap your brand to? They have a real issue on the LPGA Tour, and it's no disrespect to the great players of the game because they are brilliant, those ladies on the LPGA Tour. But it's very hard to market some of those personalities to a North American audience. They just don't engage. And this is 
a bigger problem south of the border. And you know as well as I do, you got to lead from the top. And the money and the corporate money and the real TV money is in the U.S. It's not in Canada. So they need they need the U.S. on board on that LPGA tour. And right now they're not getting it. And, and the U.S. loves Brooke Henderson. They they are. They would they would hitch their wagon. They don't care she's Canadian. She, regardless of how Canadian she is, she looks like the all American girl next door, and they're good with that. And I tell you right now, the LPGA would be thrilled if Brooke Henderson a year from now was a multiple uh, major winner and the number one player in the world. Because you you want to see the LPGA marketing machine kick into high gear, you'd see it if Brooke Henderson got to that position. Okay, let's go to the, the Northern Trust, which is the, the event that you did for PGA Tour Radio on the weekend. And the first thing I want to ask you is when you're interviewing Tiger Woods and talking about his driver's shaft, I would be curious to know what the look on his face was. <laughs> <laughs> Someone brought that up after the interview, and I started laughing because I wasn't even thinking about it. But, uh, you know, I, there's, been a lot of, there's been a lot of talk about him looking for a, a driver setup, and, and he's been experimenting with shafts, and just, you know, his driving's been horrible this year. And, you know, obviously I've, I've spoken to the people at TaylorMade and they've told me that he's just been exhausting every, uh, you know, all their driving driver technology here to see if he can get comfortable. And then this week, sure enough, he goes out and he drives the ball extremely well, you know, especially on Sunday. But, you know, he averaged, uh, you know, he hit 9 of 14 fairways. Not that that is, you know, record-breaking pace, but he hit 9 of 14 fairways every day. And then on the final day, I think you know, he only missed one or two fairways on the final day. He was like 12 of 14. So in Tiger land those numbers are huge so uh sure enough though the week he finds his driver the putter goes cold like he, he it was just just couldn't make a thing to me it looked like he was rolling the putter really well but he was frustrated nothing was going in and isn't that the game of golf jim when when something you find something something else disappears um, adam hadwin had a really good weekend didn't he yeah, great performance from Adam. I had a, a couple opportunities to talk to Adam. Uh, his spirits were up big time because uh, he's been sore. He's had some injury issues. He's been exhausted. He's felt like it's a really long year. And he you know, hasn't had a top 10 in quite some time. So that was the first top 10 he's had. And, you know, back, you have to go back to March, end of February, March for his last top 10. And, He's been working so hard and getting no results at anything. It's just like anything else in the world. When you put time and effort in, you know, you need to see some results to keep the motivation going and to keep the spirits up. And, and he's had none. And then all of a sudden this week, you know, he started to make some putts. He started to see some results and good top 10 finish. And it's important because this is, you know, uh, you know, for a guy like Adam Hadwin, who, you know, is not, you know, in this country, he's a big star. But on a global scale, you know, he's not making, you know, $50 million a year in endorsement dollars out of Hadwin. This is a huge time of year for bonus money and cash money you know, to keep the season going and to keep moving up the FedEx Cup points list to try to get to the Tour Championship. You know, it's just a boatload of bonus money these guys are playing for, and it opens up a lot of other avenues for them. So this is, this is a good, strong finish for Adam. I'm glad he played well, and it looks like uh, looks like he's going to be a solid fixture in the next couple of weeks. Sorry to jump around. I want to go back to Tiger, just because we played the clip that you had with him at the top of the hour, uh, You know when he's talking about the, the shaft and, and his assessment of his weekend. And, and you know he really liked yesterday. Things just didn't drop for him. When you watched him play on the weekend, what was your what was your take on what you saw? Just because I think the expectations were high based on what he did the week before. He looks a little tired to me. Uh, there's a lot of golf coming up. 
you know, he's got a he's going to play what five six weeks in a row if you include the Ryder Cup at the end of the month. So, you know, it's a lot of golf. So I'm hoping his energy levels can stay there because he looked drained. Even when I was talking to him, he looked he looked drained. Um, a lot of that could be mental though as well, Jim. You know, when when you when you can't make putts, the game is just a, is just mm. miserable. It's just and it's draining. It's mentally and emotionally draining. So. Um, I think if you know if he had a, had just one day where the putts were falling, I think you know maybe his attitude would would be different. But I, I think Tiger is pleased that he's found uh, maybe maybe he's finally found a driver setup that he could feel comfortable with. Co- comfortable with, but I think he's extremely frustrated with the putt, putting right now, which is weird because he putted beautifully back at the PGA Championship and putted well at the British Open as well, but. Uh, you know what? I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me if uh, when we got to Boston on Friday, now keep in mind it's a Friday start because of the late Labor Day finish at TPC Boston, it would not surprise me if we saw the old putter back in the bag. It, you know, I don't know anything. I haven't heard anything. Uh, Tiger didn't hint to it to me on mic or off mic. Uh, it's just a hunch I have. You know, he put that new tailor-made putter in the bag uh, just before the British Open because it was a little heavier and it's a little better on slower greens. He stuck with it. He's putted good with it certain weeks. But I thought this week he looked more frustrated than I've seen him with the putter in a long time. It wouldn't surprise me if we saw the old trusty uh, putter back in the bag come Friday. I mean, that would be an interesting storyline. Is You know, even, even us hacks have extra clubs that are favorites that work on certain courses or certain conditions. The Tiger Woods reference point for what club to use in, in the back backlog of, of clubs from the past would be remarkable, wouldn't it? Yeah, and if you think about it, you know, he's been one of the more stubborn guys in terms of the technology world. Like, you know, Tiger... You know, I can think of about four putters in his entire professional career, maybe five that he's used in, in competition. Uh, about four or five drivers over the years in co- competition. Uh, about three to four uh, uh, sets of irons. Um, but you can you can track it and, and you can see the changes and the changes in technology. But he's been one of the more stubborn ones to switch over the years. Whereas, you know, a guy like Sergio Garcia, I remember talking to the guys at TaylorMade, and they would tell me that when Sergio was with TaylorMade, he was with them for, for his entire career up until this year. Um, they would say to me, a guy like Sergio, we'd show up on a Tuesday with a brand new set of clubs. He'd hit them on the range and go, great. And he'd take the old ones out, throw them to the side, put the new ones in. So, you know, some guys are just like, they don't care. They'll hit anything. They're all up for, to try something new. And if, and if the engineers at, at TaylorMade or Callaway or Titleist say, this stuff's better, this is our new stuff and it's better, bam, it goes into play. Where other guys, no, no, no. You know, they're going to grind uh, over it for months and months and months at a time until they are 1,000% certain that they're moving to something better. And that Tiger was that guy always throughout his career. Well, you'll remember several years ago in Snedeker when the RBC Canadian Open and we talked with him, he had an old putter in the bag that day, and certainly it paid off. Totally, totally. And one of my favorite stories is uh, Jim Furyk uh, going across the road and, and you know pulling a putter out of uh, out of an old bin at like a, at a used golf store. It was like a thirty dollar <laughs> putter. And, you know, that's a putter he ended up eventually you know shooting fifty eight with a couple months later. So you know what I mean, like. It's a fickle game. It's bizarre. Sometimes you can't make sense of it. You're talking to a guy who owns about 70 putters, and none of the bloody work. So, uh, 
who knows, Jim? But yeah. Anyway, just something to keep your eye on on Friday when you tune into the uh, uh, Dell Technologies Championship at TPC Boston, which will be the last uh, time we ever play this event because next year we're going from four playoff events to three playoff events, and this is the one that is going to be the odd man out. Uh, and Tiger has won on this golf course before TPC Boston. He's comfortable out there. Just something to keep your eye on to see if at some point this week there's a putter change. Uh, what do you th- what's the player reaction to that dropping the tournament? I mean, that's a significant amount of cash. It is, but I think, you know, over the years, how many times have we seen these guys skip playoff events? Rory McIlroy, for instance, uh, skipped one already, which I've been ripping on him for because, you know, I just – I. I just don't see how, you know, now he's decided it's time to work on his wedge play. You know, he played four majors this year, not being able to hit a green from 100 yards, and now we're going to start working on our wedges and skip a playoff event. I think it was a bit of a cop-out. I think he just didn't want to play, you know, four playoff events in a row and then the Ryder Cup, so he chose to take a week off. Um, you know, we've seen it time and time again from the big players over the years, skip, skipping one playoff event and not playing all four. Certain years, they gave the players a week off in the middle. You'll recall that. They used to, you know, in a couple seasons, they played two playoff events, take a week off, and then come back and play another two. Well, you know, the momentum of the playoffs and fan interest would suffer because of that. So I think, you know, I think what they need to do is say, okay, we're going to three guys, and here are the three playoff events, but if you skip one, there's a monster penalty. I think if you skip a playoff event, now that they've cut it back to three, I think you need to put such a big penalty in place that if you skip one, you basically cripple yourself for the FedEx Cup and you have no chance of winning. I think that's that's the give and take I think that needs to happen now. You know, the PGA Tour has buckled. They've given the players three in a row. Uh, but now you should be expected to play all of them. Mark, thanks for your time. Always great to reconnect. Thank you. Thanks, James. Take care. Mark Zucchino, host of Golf Talk Canada and PGA Tour Radio. He was at the Northern Trust in the weekend. will be in Boston on Friday. And the Twitter account at ZmanTSNGTC.